Hey, Ryan. Hey. Ready to get this show on the road? About as ready as I'll ever be. Cool. All right, here we go. Welcome, everybody, to the It's Too Wordy Comic Book Podcast, where a couple of buddies talk about comics from their childhood and today. I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. And today we are talking about Mighty Morphin and Tim Drake, Robin. Yeah, where do we fun. want to start at? Let's do Mighty Morphin. Mighty Morphin, it is because it was so great. I actually didn't think it was horrible. I read two Mighty Morphin Power Ranger comics this week, and I can't tell them apart. Oh, really? I read them both Ryan... today, and they were the exact same thing. Did Ryan Parrot write it? No, this one is from Hamilton Comics. Huh. It's issue three from February. Oh, my God. What day is this? Like, 94, 95? Really? 95. Wow. Yeah. All right. So let's let's get into Mighty Morph or Mighty Morphin number one. Yes, Mighty Morphin because Power Rangers comes out this week. Yes. <laughs> um, this is done by Ryan Parrott and Marco Rene Rene Renia Marco Renia. Uh, it's a Boom Studios book. Um, now I'm a little bit older than the Power Ranger fad ever was so my involvement with the power rangers was little to none outside of stocking them as far as putting their toys out on the shelf <laughs> nice restocking um so this was my and i know enough about them i saw the movie uh the original yeah, the original movie um in the theater because i was bored and it was a dollar so uh that was my nice. whole Power Ranger thing. See, like we're totally opposite on that because I loved them from the beginning. Like I, I got the toys. Yeah, I fought them. Like going to like finding them, and I have. Mm -hmm. uh, I got the green. No, I got the black and the the red, and I'm still looking for the yellow, the pink, and the green to finish my collection because I'm slowly building them and I don't want to go uh, online and buy them. So I'm looking through right. stores, but yeah, I've, since they came out, you know, I've liked these guys. I've started watching super Sentai with my daughter. She's five and she loves them. So we're starting to watch the Japanese versions. And for some reason she does their poses. No. When she does when she's like doing some stuff like we have to, we have to do what? She's like, do your move. And you have to like, <laughs> pose like a Power Ranger. So it's really funny. But yeah, um, I saw the movie. I played the video games. I bought some stuff. I, you know, I nerded out for Power Rangers when they came out. And I, I was out of high school then. And this was totally out of my demographic. But it was so cheesy and so weird. Like I loved like the old kaiju shows. Mm -hmm. Like, um, uh, Ultraman. I love Ultraman too. Right. So it was like right in that vein of like heroes fighting weird Japanese monsters, and I loved it. But, well, 
I knew I mean, that there is a group of people out there that really liked the Rangers that were not besides the kids. Because uh, I saw adults buying the toys and stuff. I Just for me, just not something I ever got into. I always thought it was kind of a ripoff of Voltron. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, uh, go back and watch, um, I think it's the Toys That Made Us, the episode for the Power Rangers, and see how, how many times that they tried to bring them to America. And like one of the first times they tried to bring it over, Stan Lee was one of them. He he went, he he loved them. He tried to bring them to America, and they like at the time they were like, no, there's nowhere nowhere for this to go. You know, nobody's gonna watch this. And then it take took uh, Saban to bring it over and made a huge hit out of it. And it's very a weird show when you break it down how they did it. Yeah, but when Trini's a boy, so. In Japan, the Yellow Ranger, of course, was a guy. And over here, we put Trini, a girl, as the Yellow Ranger. So every time she put the helmet on, it was a boy. How, how nobody noticed that, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm going to say I've never noticed that either. But again, wasn't paying a ton of attention. So now I'm going to have to see if I can catch some old episodes of this. And on a weird side note, the Giver number two, the movie, mm-hmm. all the choreographed fight scenes were the same guy who choreographed the original Power Rangers stuff. So really? that's why there was so much wire work and flipping around and yeah, same guy. Yeah. All right. Wow. Let's get into all the right. comic, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so... <clears throat> Uh, for this being my first time really doing anything Power Ranger-ish, um, I did feel I was a little bit lost just because it seemed like they were referring to something that I didn't know about. Right. Um, but I also know from working at the shop, the Power Ranger book, per, the previous Power Ranger book just ended. Yep. So I'm sure something happened there, and they kind of rolled into this. Um, but as far as, and then the very first part where the three ranger-looking guys are fighting that purple monster. Yep. A little confused there. Okay, but, so that's that's the past, right? And, yeah. Uh, they were the, the rangers of their time. And they okay. were led by a guy named Zardon. Zardon is the guy in the blue bubble later on. Right, okay. the rangers. That's him. That's kind of what I was thinking was happening, but wasn't 100% sure. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Zordon. It's not Zardon. Zordon. Okay. Um, There's a lot of Zords in Power Rangers. Yeah. Uh, you know, but as far as the main characters, they were the characters that I remembered, Billy and I think it's Jason and uh, the green one. I can't remember what his name was in the show. Tommy? Tommy, yeah. Um, and Kimberly. So a lot of the characters that I remember from the few times I caught it in passing. So I, I appreciated that. Um you know, I thought the storytelling was good. I thought they did some good development with the characters. Um, 
I like the twist at the end. Yeah. I want an action figure of this panda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? That is With awesome. The... Um, I did like how they made fun of it, though. They were making fun of, like, oh, so what's next? You know, oh, yeah. what are they going to throw at us next? And I, I appreciate that they can laugh at themselves a little bit about it. Um, but I think the splash page where they show all of them changing, uh-huh. I thought that was very well done. Uh, you know, overall, I I enjoyed it. It is interesting how they have to do their faces. Mm-hmm. Like when they're in the mask, like, like, like half of it goes transparent so you can see how their eyes and how they're emoting through their helmet. Because the old one that I read, they don't do that. So they just like they're running around just speaking like robots. Right. Yeah. I, I really liked what they did with this. I thought they put it together pretty well. I think Ryan Parrott has been doing uh, the previous Power Ranger books. So he's kind of building his own little universe, I guess. Um, they give you a cliffhanger. You know, the big mystery coming in is the Green Ranger shows up, but they don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. And that's still kind of carrying on throughout. Yeah, that's, um, that's still carrying on through, like, the first season of the show. Because when Tommy showed up, he was the Green Ranger, and nobody knew who he was. Right. And yeah. He was evil as shiz back in the day. Because somebody was mind-controlling him or something, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the panda is amazing. I thought that was hilarious. I'm like, this is great. Um, you know, truthfully, when I suggested we get this one, it was just to try something different. I honestly felt like I probably wasn't going to care for it. But I did enjoy it. Um, and with the surprise ending... Right, I now I'm hoping I don't have to read Power Rangers to continue the story because it's my understanding it's two separate worlds or it's two separate books. Yeah, hopefully it's like that. Yeah, so I'd probably pick up the next one and check it out. But uh, you know, Wednesday I might flip through that Power Ranger one and see if it continues on. If it does, then I'm. I'm out. I, I, I'm trying to reduce books. I'm not trying to right. get more. Um, you know, and that's one of the problems I've always had with the X-Men is it's like, even when you're trying to read one series, they're constantly crossing over into the other series and you have to know what's going on. Um, and yeah. I know there's a following from the Power Rangers, but seriously, keep it two separate books. I'm okay if you have two books, so it's fine. Yep. Keep it two separate books. Don't do a massive crossover unless it's a big like anniversary issue or something. Well, I mean, with the X-Men, they couldn't even go a year without having a giant crossover. Oh, yeah. It was like, okay, yeah. I'm done. I can't, I can't buy nine issues well, every month. Batman books do it. And that one's a real big pain in the butt because you got Batman, Bat, what was it, uh, Detective, Legends of the Dark Knight, you know, then that rolls over into Robin or Nightwing or what that whole right. Nightfall thing. I just waited for the trade. I'm like, I'll let you collect it for me and I'll get it. 
Right. The same thing with Superman's. You had the you had the numbering system on the cover, so you knew which ones to read next. Yeah, but I think that that I, helped. I can appreciate that. But yeah, so my opinion: if you're even somewhat curious about the Port Power Rangers, pick them up, Mighty Morphin. I think it's for. It's a decent read. I really respect what Ryan Parrott does. I've read a lot of his other stuff. Um, he always does a good job. So, Yeah, it was good. I mean, it was a lot better than the old one. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, I remember seeing some older ones. They kind of look like – is that one kind of look like uh, an Archie Comics made it or something? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And that was never really – intriguing enough for me to <laughs> like no I'm good oh, you I don't want to get weird stuff you don't want to get <laughs> yeah. cool all right I'll move us over to uh, speaking of Batman like we were a minute ago to our this week's Robin Tim Drake what do we got for Tim Drake all right so Tim Drake first appeared in 1989 in Batman year three he was a little kid. He was at a... Okay, so it all ties back to Dick Grayson. So, And let me just say also, Tim Drake is named after Tim Burton, who was making, at the time, the Batman movie. So they created a new Robin. We're looking for a name. Here's this Tim Burton guy making a movie. Let's just name him Tim. Awesome. Easy. Um, he was created by... Wol- uh, who was he created by? Uh, Marv Wolfman and Pat Broderick. So Marv Wolfman, like we said, in like probably like issue one, created like 600 characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, we went through the whole list and it was ridiculous. Um, so Tim is at the circus the night the Graysons die. And before they died, he met Dick and got a picture with him. So there was kind of like this budding friendship, you know, here's this little kid. Here's a, here's a little bit older guy. You know, they Mm -hmm. were actually starting, they, they got along and then he gets to watch his new friend, his parents get killed that night. Um, so, um, probably about age nine, uh, Tim figures out, by he was watching or was at a fight where Robin was fighting and he realized that that fighting style he did a move that Tim or uh, sorry uh, Dick did in the circus and mm-hmm. he remembered that move and he was like okay so if if Robin is Dick Grayson that would mean Batman's Bruce Wayne. And he figured out who they were at age nine. And um, after Jason Todd died, Tim watched Batman go a little bit darker and more um, not not so careful. Not he, he was being reckless. And he was like, okay, he needs a Robin. 
and I'm the boy for it, you know, and he, he goes and talks to, to Dick Grayson and uh, a little bit later, you know, they, they, they see the potential in Tim and Bruce starts to like, kind of like um, lighten up to the idea of getting a new Robin. And he's like, well, we're going to do this a little bit different. You're going to stay in the Batcave and you're going to learn the systems and a little bit more about detective work. I don't want you in the field until I, I believe you're ready. And once he became ready, Bruce sent him on a worldwide trip to learn from different masters. And that was the Robin mini or the Robin miniseries that came out in about 1980, 1998, right? No, it was earlier than that. It was like 1994. 94 sounds right. 93, 94, somewhere in there. Right, because he was, he became Robin in 457, December 1990. And Joker, Joker's Wild came out... Well, it really doesn't matter what the timeline is, but so Tim gets a new suit and it is the most awesome Robin suit mm -hmm. ever. He, he doesn't seem like he stays in it for very long. Like this, when they introduce in that book, in the Robin miniseries, he seems like he's older than, uh, what was he like nine or 12? 12 or 13, I don't know. I can't remember how old he was when he became Robin, but he he looked like he was like 18 in that series. Right. And it was like, wait a minute, he's supposed to be a little kid, right? Why is he, you know, he's just the artwork didn't quite go with the character at that time. But he looked amazing. The the one thing that sets Tim apart from Dick Grayson and Jason Todd is he's not a good fighter. He's more a computer work. He, he really excels at using computers and doing detective work. Mm -hmm. He's, he's not a good fighter. So they allow him to use a bow staff to kind of up his game a little bit. So he's, he's, that's his difference from the other Robins. What's crazy. So he got his own series and it went for 183 issues. It did. Yes, it did. I cannot believe 183 issues, 15 years. And that was the first Robin series in history was Tim Drake's. And through that series, you could see him grow. His, uh, his abilities become more, you know, he, you, this is like the Robin of all Robins. Because this is, you actually get to know Tim Drake a lot more than you ever got to know as a Robin, Jason Todd, or Dick Grayson. I mean, you got to learn more about Dick Grayson when he left being Robin. Yep. But, um, yeah, I just cannot believe that. Um, so later on, this goes through, you know, the New 52. Um, uh, what is that? Um when when Batman dies, uh, Batman R.I.P. Yeah, Batman and Final Batman. Crisis, and 
he keeps changing. Like um, when New Fifty Two came out, they were like, "Oh, we have all these Robins. What the hell are we going to do with these?" You know, okay, well, screw Tim. What? They they just kind of screwed Tim completely over, and they were like, "Okay, fine, uh, you're uh, Red Robin, right? You you've been Red Robin for about five years now." Like, oh, okay, this you guys. New Fifty Two was a bad idea. Bad. Some of it was great, but the things that you were trying to compact into five years didn't make any sense. Like, so yeah, he becomes Red Robin, which I love that suit, but it looks so much like Doctor Midnight. It's not even funny, but yeah. it's so awesome. Just the the styling of it. Um, so let's go back a little bit. Um, so in the Robin series from 1989 to 1990, he starts to see a girl named Stephanie Brown. Her name is Spoiler. And they, they kind of like get this romantic thing involved, you know, going and, and uh, Tim, Tim's dad, finds out that he's Robin and Tim kind of retires and Stephanie takes over for the Robin. So she's the fourth Robin. So if, I don't know if you want to go over Stephanie Brown next week, but we can, but, um, so she takes over that. Then he goes and moves to Bloodhaven, the city where Nightwing lives to escape how things went in Gotham and he wanted to stay closer to his stepmom who was in a psychological psychological ward over there um, because of how Jack Drake got killed by Captain Boomerang. Mm -hmm. And then he, uh, uh, Superboy dies and in tribute, Tim changes his costume colors to black and red, which are the colors of Superboy's costume. So that, that costume goes away. This costume comes in. Um, then Batman R.I.P. comes along. And Final Crisis. Um, Dick takes over as Batman and fires Tim as being Robin. But they both see it different ways. Like Dick believes that him and Tim are equals. So he doesn't need him to be a Robin. He, he, he wants him to kind of do his thing, like go out and be a Nightwing of his own. And Tim thinks that Dick is being a dick. And, you know, he's, he's replacing him with Robin or, uh, uh, I always hate, I hate this kid. Um, yeah. Uh, Damien. Yeah. The fifth Robin. Right. So, so he leaves and he believes that Bruce is still alive. So he goes on a worldwide tour again, looking for any kind of, clue that Bruce is alive. And then we get into the Red Robin series from 2009 to 2011, where he's going around and he comes in contact with Rachel Ghoul and the League of Assassins. And he finds out that um, Bruce is alive. He's just stuck in time. And yeah, it, it just goes crazy from here. Like New 52... You know, Tim Drake becomes Red Robin, of course, blah, blah, blah. Um, Rebirth. God. Uh. 
so yeah so um let's just let's just take this right from wikipedia right in rebirth tim drake still operates under the red robin alias he gains a new and third overall red robin suit similar to the first robin suit without except with two r's on his logo instead of one okay god damn it no <laughs> stop it stop um he also he he's part of uh which we read, The Young Justice, and his name is Drake. And, but he's a Robin. Uh, a Drake is a duck. <laughs> it's a duck. So is he ducky? <laughs> it does. It, and finally, uh, lately, he's dropped the whole Drake thing, and now he's Robin again. But I think the, probably... Um, my generation's Robin is Tim Drake. Um, yeah, Dick got the movie, but Tim was our Robin. Um, what's cool also, um, did you ever see Batman Beyond Return of the Joker? The unedited first one that they came out with? No, I don't think so. You have to see it. Um, what the Joker does to Tim is horrifying. And when they edited it, it's not the same impact. If you watch the original one, it is so creepy. But they actually use that storyline for parts of the Batman Beyond book. Where Tim is an old character. He's older and he gets over the brainwashing and Bruce is like, you can work for um, Wayne enterprises again, if you want to, but one promise you do not ever get involved with vigilantism. You do not fight crime. You do not put on a suit. You do not, you know, you don't, <laughs> you don't hang out right. with the other guys because this might affect you. And yeah. So he's just a computer programmer in the future. Hmm. So it's pretty cool. Like, just some of the stuff that they've done with him, but some of the stuff is just like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get where you're going, what timeline this is. I don't, this rebirth thing, why he's a kid again and he's not red Robin and he's going by Drake. And it's just, I don't know. I, some of the rebirth stuff, I not a fan of, No, but of course the constant rebranding by DC is really weighing on me. It's, it's just like, yeah. Oh, and, sorry, uh, this doesn't go with this, but DC's rumor is that they are no longer going to do continuity. So, uh, okay, great. <laughs> when have you done continuity anyway, guys? <laughs> you never have. That's why you have so many crises. But that's Tim Drake in a nutshell. Uh, he is my favorite Robin. Um, I always like the detective aspect of it. Um, you know, Jason was the pissed off one. Dick was the fun loving one. Tim is always the, you know, more detective type. Um, and I really appreciated that because, you know, Batman's supposed to be a detective book to an extent. You didn't see that a ton 
And no. Tim kind of brought that back in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that first run of Young Justice. I liked how he was very <clears throat> that leader of that team was very involved, you know, very involved with Superboy and becoming good friends with him and uh, Wonder Girl, all that. Um, and then once that Robin, that initial Robin run ended it, like what did you say, 183 or something like that? Yeah, something like that. They just kind of don't know what to do with them. So, and you kind of went through all that. And that's when I stopped caring, truthfully. Um, but I, I was all in on that Robin run. I absolutely loved it. Um, I like the Stephanie Brown th- stuff. Uh, I, it was just fantastic. And I always felt like Tim was the one that could kind of reach Bruce a little bit better than the others. Right. Like, I think Tim brought out the humanity more in him. Right. But I think that Dick is the only one that could call Bruce on his bullshit. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> Tim, Tim was like the little kid that, you know, they actually cared for, like a father and son. But, like, I think Dick was more of an experiment for Bruce. Like, let's just see if I can get this kid to be a superhero, too. But yeah, I don't know. All right, very well done, sir. All right, uh, let's see. Goings on at Krypton. Um, got a whole bunch of new books in. Um, they're working on doing a lot of restocking. Um, got a huge He-Man display now. Uh. Even some She-Ra stuff. Uh, they've expanded their G.I. Joe stuff, like the original toys and things. Um, and I know they're looking at, uh, with the restock, we're going into the storage area, our old storage areas, and start to bring stuff over and seeing what we need to fill and uh, finding some gold that direction. Um, because we have it. Why not get it out there, right? Right. So um, starting that process. Um, so, yeah. And then they've been restocking all the Mandalorian stuff. You know, Mandalorian just started up. Um, so all the Mandalorian toys are coming out. And they have them all over the place. They're pop figures, action figures. You name it, they got it. So uh, absolutely check out their Facebook page. And if you're in town or coming through Omaha, Swing by, check them out. All right. On over to the random reads. So I've got four of them. And since you just talked a lot about Robin, I will go ahead and start off so you can catch your breath. Um, So the one I was most excited about, uh, this was actually supposed to come out a couple of weeks ago. And... We didn't get it. Uh, it's by Action Lab. It is Sasquatch in Love, number one, by uh, Jason Nutt and Alexis Valvello. 
and this was not what I was expecting at all. Um, I am really big into the, <clears throat> excuse me, into the paranormal stuff. Like I, you know, I always like to read about the Bigfoots and the Loch Ness monsters and UFOs, all that jazz. And I always wanted them to kind of cross over into a comic book medium a little bit. Like, that'd be great. That'd be some fun stories. Um, this is not what I was wanting. <laughs> this is a talking Sasquatch um, who has a buddy who is a veterinarian. And so anytime the Sasquatch needs something in the human world, he has his buddy, the veterinarian, go and get the stuff. So, like, he went and bought a bookshelf for Bigfoot to keep all his books on. Um, and he was very upset about the color. He wanted white, but he got birch instead. Um, and then, you know, obviously, there's the crazy guy going out and trying to capture video of Bigfoot. So it reminded me very much of Harry and the Hendersons to that end. Um but apparently the Sasquatch loves writing poetry. Uh, so he enters poetry contests, but he never collects the prizes, and he always wins. wins. Um, but Sasquatch, he even plays Scrabble with the vet. Um, but Sasquatch is out in the woods, and the guy that's going out trying to find Sasquatch is marching around the woods, and he's having a college student do a documentary for him. And... Sasquatch falls in love with the gal doing the documentary. So he's having his veterinary friend go and try to find out information about her. Um, and that's how the first issue ends. Um, again, not quite what I was looking for. It's nice to see that they're doing something along the lines of a Sasquatch. I think there was a Sasquatch uh, police detective or Bigfoot police detective at one point too. I did avoid that one. Um, this reminds me very much of more based towards a younger kid group, you know, um, eight to 10 year olds, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I'd probably avoid that one. <laughs> um, Next one up is, I'm going to say this incorrectly, but I'm going to give it my best. Ila de Labla by Eric Powell. Um, it's an Albatross comic, and it's apparently spinning out of the pages of the Goon. And this is a one-shot. <clears throat> I just got it on a whim. Um, I've only read a little bit of the Goon from what Nick's hooked me up with. I liked it. Um, I've read some free comic book day stuff with the goon too. I like that. So I thought I'd give this a shot. And it is about this woman vigilante out in the desert who has such a mystery tour that the bad guys are, have all heard these mysterious stories about them, about her. Um, very usual suspects ish. Um, in my opinion, but these four guys have taken this girl. They are driving across the desert and 
one of the guys is like, you need to be quiet. Otherwise she's going to hear us. If she hears us, we're all dead. And um, <clears throat> then they start telling each of the backstories that they heard. So in one case, it's a daughter of a police officer and everybody dies at the birthday party. A bomb blows up except for her. And so she goes out and seeks revenge and she becomes El Diablo. <clears throat> in another one, uh, the father was a bad guy and was trying to force her to marry somebody that she didn't want to marry. So he killed her, becoming, making her become that El Diablo and so forth and so on. So you're getting all these different stories. And <clears throat> then they jump up into the future because all those pictures are, you know, they're doing it in the past. And she's driving straight at them. And she's going after them. Um, she jumps in and just starts beating the crap out of all of them. <clears throat> Excuse me. And saves the little girl, gives her some water and goes, you need to go to town. It's so many miles that way. And she turns around and a guy's standing beside her. And he gives her some information. And she goes, he goes you need to go do this. And you find out that this leads into an actual graphic novel that's going to be coming out in the fall of 2020 called the Lords of Misery, which also has the goon in it. Um, so is a neat way to introduce into the goon series. Um, if you can find it, it is a really good read. Um, I'm now interested in picking up that um, trade paperback or the graphic novel that's coming out. Um, so I'll have to take a look at that. <clears throat> The next one is Giga by Vault Comics. It's uh, Alex Pacanelda and John Lee. Um, I read the first three pages of this. And I'm like, this is crap. I don't like it. And then they jumped to the future, and I got hooked. Um, <clears throat> it is... <laughs> about these humans that are living inside robots and how the humans are kind of like uh, the atoms of a robot. Like we have atoms in our bodies of humans, you know. And um, <clears throat> this kid is super intelligent. Um, he got kicked out of... Uh, <clears throat> This cult, for his beliefs, he didn't believe in what the cult was believing, so they kicked him out. So because he's not a part of the, this cult, he's not allowed to uh, get higher-paying work and do better things. He's kind of cast as a uh, <clears throat> lower individual. But he's super intelligent, and he is helping an escaped robot um, get through and teaching it how to be human. And they, you know, they go scavenging for parts for this robot and the bad guys are out to get them. I mean, this is just, I don't want to give away too much because this is really, really good. It really should be checked out. Absolutely. Check this one out. Uh, Giga by Vault. And then my final one is 
Red Atlantis. Um, this was interesting. Um, I'm not entirely sure what to think of it. Uh, starts off with some people in a station or like a train station or a post office or something. I can't really tell. And all of a sudden everybody's phone goes off. Their eyes all go white and they start attacking each other. And then they do a scene where it's kind of cutting across the country and showing uh, this is happening all across the country. And this one guy just walks out, no harm to him, goes away. And then jumps to these two roommates and it happens to one of the roommates. The other one doesn't pass out or anything. She remembers exactly what's going on. The FBI finds out that this kind of EPM that caused all the phones to go off and made everybody kind of go nuts at the same time. They're thinking, well, maybe there's a connection. Found out that it came from the apartment building where the two girls lived. And so they're talking to the girls, trying to find out what happened, why it came from their apartment kind of thing. And then the FBI guys get attacked by somebody else, and they're like, come on, we got to go save the world. Um, so you really don't have a clue what's happening in this yet. Uh, but it's enough to keep me interested. And so I'll probably check out the next one. I mean, even on the cover, it says a raw, brutal thriller ripped from tomorrow's headlines. So um, this is going to be a fairly interesting read. I'm going to, you know, I'll give it another issue, see how that goes, see if they kind of develop anything. Uh, if it goes the way of another zombie apocalypse type book, like everything has been lately, um, I might drop off of it, but uh, we'll see what happens. So that's what I had. Cool. Yeah, I put all the issues up on our Discord. So just look for the Haunted Log Podcast on Discord and get in there and join the conversations because it's pretty fun to be in there. All right. So you guys know already that I did an issue of Power Rangers from 1995 from Hamilton Comics. There is so many mistakes in this book. There is <laughs> writing mistakes. There is coloring mistakes. There all over the place. This story is about Kimberly, whose mom is making her clean her room. Her room is a mess, and Kimberly's like, this is not fair. I'm a Power Ranger. I shouldn't have to clean my room. And she's like, well, it's your responsibility. And I swear to God that I had um, a Mandela effect when I read this, like right away, because when it says it's your responsibility, Kimberly, I read it's your attitude, Kimberly, because Kimberly doesn't want to do it. But her mom's like, you have an attitude problem. And that's how I read it. And then I read it again. I'm like, wait a minute. That's not even close to what that says. <laughs> so so she, she goes to school. She's like, fine, mom. I'll do it after school. I'll clean up my room. And she's like, okay, just don't dawdle after school. Come right home and clean your room. Okay, mom, I will. And it goes over to Lord Zed, 
up in sp- on the moon and he's fighting with his like Zordon and um, they don't even really say their names in this, which is funny. It's just Zordon because not Lord Zed, right? And he's trying to figure out a mon like to do like the new monster of the week. And they're like, well, let's make this thing out of the garbage. Like it will replicate and get all its power from Earth's garbage and it will recycle the world. Right. Just as the kids are learning about recycling in high school, they're going to a recycling plant. And here comes this comet down from the moon and it hits the recycling plant. And this monster just starts getting all the garbage and it's like powering up. And the Power Rangers are there, of course. So they're on a field trip. And Kimberly can't find her morpher or her her uh, power coin to change into the her ranger. And they're like, okay, fine. Red Ranger, teleport her home, find it, come back, and we'll fight this thing. Well, Kimberly can't find this thing at all. Her room is a complete mess. And Zordon is like having a fit. He's like, uh, Alpha One, go down there, help her find it, and come right back. So Alpha goes down to Kimberly's house. He's like, oh my God, your place is a disaster. Right? And so the Power Rangers cannot do anything against this garbage monster. Their, their swords don't work. Their axes don't work. Their daggers don't work. Their lances don't work. Nothing works against this thing. And Lord Zed is having a great time watching them get their asses kicked. So it goes back to the Kimberly's messy room and Alpha One is like, you know what? I'll take care of this. And he speed cleans her room and they still can't find it. And let me just say the stuff that's in Kimberly's drawers makes no sense. I don't even know what some of the stuff is. It looks like, <laughs> looks like Jack Kirby threw up and there's just draw like lines everywhere about just, I'm like, what is that? Is that an old condom? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, what? It's like this shrivelly pink thing in her in her clock, like her drawer. And it's like, what is that? So the, back to the Power Rangers, they're getting their butts kicked. You know, Kimberly's like, um, uh, and okay, so one of those stupidest things, if you are drawing a blue kind of like horse thing, and you color him green? There's no green ranger in this. So why would his Zord be green? That's one mistake. And I was like, what is... Okay, doesn't make any sense. So it goes back. Kimberly finally, like, finds it. Because Alpha's like, you know, if I drank anything, I'm really thirsty. I'm really thirsty. I would be really thirsty after drink. Like, And he's, like, giving her this hint. She's like, oh my God, I remember now. I used my power cone or coin as a coaster. What the fudge, Kimberly? <laughs> you take something that turns you into a superhero and you put a Coke can on it? <laughs> like, who wrote this? 
So, yeah, so she comes back. They turn into the giant Zord. They kick the thing's butt. And then they get home, and her mom's like, I don't know how you did it, but this room is amazing. And it's like, oh, my God. Okay, that's it. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) This is so stupid. And then, okay, so my second one is Marvel 2 and 1, number one from this is the new series. So this is probably 2016, I'm betting. 16, 17? 2018. Yeah, mm-hmm. 2018. So, this, I am so confused with the Fantastic Four. Like, the, the constant reboots of it, the always new, new numbering, new series, you can't keep up. And I lost track of them about the time where they went into the future and disappeared and Scott Lang and she thing and whatever else took over. And that made me want to throw up Jack Kirby, throw up again. Was like, that the FF one? Yes. And that, that actually made me stop reading fantastic four because it was so bad. Like, I don't know why I loved Mike Allred so much when I was, like, 20, but I can't stand him stuff. He just tries over the top just to be over the top. And it's just like, once he created She-Thing, that's it. I'm done. A girl wearing a Thing costume with no head. Like, okay. Whatever. So, apparently, Reed, Sue, Victoria, and Franklin have gone missing from the universe, like the multiverse, completely gone. They're, they're lost. And Johnny is on a self-destructive path. He's racing cars and just, he doesn't care. He's going to crash them, but he's a superhero. So the fire in a crash isn't going to hurt him. And I'm pretty sure that his suit is probably made out of unstable molecules anyway. And so him being a race car driver is the most destructive thing that Johnny could be doing? Chip Zdarsky, what the fudge are you thinking? He's not going to get hurt in a car. If you want to put Johnny in any kind of like trouble or in, in some kind of like depressive anger, like self-destructiveness, putting him in a car race is not exactly the most horrible thing he could be doing. So it goes back through and it goes through like the whole, like, you know, we were a family, we did blah, blah, blah. You know, they create a, like a foundation, like Reed created a foundation and they give awards to newcomers in the scientific field. And the only one at the ceremony is Ben. And Ben's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not the talker. I'm not the scientist. I'm just the guy who drove the car. So if you guys really want to do something for the future here's here's the money and he just kind of like walks off he's like yeah you know <laughs> whatever and he meets this girl and she's like hey you got a cigarette he's like no quit smoking and she says something weird about like uh see you after you clean up the mess and he's like what mess and she just disappears and spider-man was on his way to hang out with Ben at the ceremony so he wasn't alone 
and he's wearing a tuxedo and he's fighting pile driver from the wrecking crew wrecking crew and <laughs> the thing just walks up behind him and pushes pile driver's face right into the ground and knocks him out and he's talking to spider-man and spidey's like you know uh i just came to give you some support and he's like really is that all are you going to ask me for money well yeah see this uh this tuxedo's rented and uh i don't have any money and uh but that's not really why i'm here i need you to go talk to johnny because he's like he's johnny and he's doing stupid crap and you need to do something to help him oh yeah and here's this um my my old boss peter parker wanted you to have this and he's you know he's in public so he can't tell him that you know and he gives him a key to a warehouse with all of the Baxter building stuff that has been stored over the years. And he's like, why don't you just take out the old fantastic car and just go find Ben like Johnny. He's like, Oh sweet. You know, he's like all our old crap. So he goes in to this warehouse and he finds all of this electronics and there's just a chair and the chair says Ben's on it. And that's like the only thing that Ben has in here. <laughs> he just has a big old, like a lazy boy. And he's sitting there and he's having this flashback of the last time that he saw um, Sue and Reed and when they disappeared. And then he gets a voice from behind him and it's like, are you lost in reverie, Grim? And he turns back and it's Doom. And Doom is like, the past is a trap, Ben. Never allow it to, never, he said, the past is a trap, Ben. I never expected you to wallow in it. Like he's like, there's no point in go looking at the past. Just go to the future. You know, I I found this, and he holds up this little globe. He's like, I visited your Baxter building when you guys were all gone, and I found this, and this is the only thing that I cannot open. I went through all of Reed's stupid inventions, all of the inane stuff that he created, and I found this one thing that I cannot open. And I think that only you can open it. Ben starts having a, a fit, right? Like Doom entered his house and took something and, and it was something that Reed meant for him. And he's just having a huge fit. And Doom's like, you know, believe me or not, it has no consequence. Whatever Richard's left for you can only be activated by you. So do with it as you will. And he says goodbye. And he just leaves. And it's like, okay, now that's, that's total Doom. Like mm -hmm. Doom's just like, you know, I didn't want Richards to die by any other means than mine. So here's this thing that I hope you go find him. And so I can kill him. <laughs> so, um, so it's like a will that Richards created that he, he created several of them for different contingencies. So if, if he died by himself, he would have a will that would include everybody else. But if him and Sue died, he would have like, another one would pop up and it would read the universe and find out which of the Richards family is dead and then give that ball or that information to the next person. So he's like, here's this. It's called a multi-sect. It's for you, Ben. I want you to have it. And I don't want you to just think about the past. I want you to go to the future, like go live your life, like do some adventuring. 
go to different worlds um, and take Johnny with you because we know that you're stable, but Johnny has never been stable. So, and he really needs you right now. So it kind of goes off of Ben from here and Johnny's like going into the stratosphere. He's on fire and he's just waiting for his flame to die out because there's no oxygen. And he's falling to the ground. And as soon as he almost hits the ground, he flames on and jumps back up. And right at that time, Ben shows up and he's like, what the hell are you doing? Are you trying to kill yourself? And he's like, oh yeah, you know, why are you here? I didn't ask you to come here. And Ben's like, no, Spider-Man did. And he's like, oh, God damn it. You know, <laughs> really? He's like, that guy worries more about everyone. He's like some sort of superhero grandmother. Like, yeah, <laughs> kind of, you know. He's... And so uh, Ben and Johnny have it out like normal. And it comes out that Johnny's losing his powers. Like he can't flame on as long. He it's not hot enough. I'm like, well, you're, you're probably like 40, man. Your testosterone's going down. But anyway, <laughs> so they, Ben tries to get him to go with him and he tells them this huge lie that Reed is alive and that we have to go find him or the, the like the storms are alive and they have to go find them and Richards and, and, it clicks over to Doom, and Doom is watching him. And he's like, why would you ever say such a thing? Why, you know, you give Johnny hope that this, you know, that he could possibly, you know, he's probably getting over this, and then you bring this up again. And it's it's a really good book. I, I didn't want to read it for a long time, but it's really good. Who's the one that wrote it? Uh, Zdarsky ship. Oh yeah. <clears throat> there okay. is a, a little like recap of the fantastic four, like origin in the back. And it's done by Greg land. And if he could make Sue look any more like a porn star, I don't think he could try. <laughs> like, <laughs> Her her chest is about the size like I think it's bigger than her head. And that's not exactly how you see Sue. You no. Know? But that's that's apparently how Greg Land sees Sue. But yeah. Okay, so that's my that's my second one. So I have one more. And this one I found at the library, and I was like, I never even saw this before. Wonder Woman Conan by DC. Written by oh. Gail Simone. Yep. What? So I read the first issue, and the the graphic novel I think came out in two thousand eighteen, and the books came out in two thousand seventeen. Has it been and, that long already? Yeah. Wow. Starts out, you know, they're in um, Samaria or the Samaria Conan the Samarian. So they're in Samaria, and they're talking about there's a, a conclave every year that the leaders of all the, the tribes have to go to and Conan's dad brings Conan with him and he meets this woman or this little girl because he's about eight years old 
right? And mm-hmm. he meets a girl. She's also eight, and her name is Yana. And he falls in love with her, like right there, right? You know, she's like a mystery to him. And so it goes into the future, and Conan's grown up, and he's about to attack three Norsemen that are holding a little guy down, and they're about to. Uh, it's, it's weird. They have tongs, but they're like been in a fire. So they're either going to brand him or do something horrible to this guy. And Conan's like, they're like, this is none of your concern. Just walk away. He's like, well, that's true. You know, I'll leave. See you guys. And the guy's like, no, wait, I can pay you. They're going to burn my jaw off. Right. I was like, oh my God, that's horrible. Right. And he's like, well, you know, I, I, I really don't sympathize with you. You probably did something horrible. He's like, well, I can pay you. Like I, there's a stack of gold. It's about the size of a toddler. It's yours. And so Conan starts, he's like, okay, fine. You know, if there's money in this, perfect. You found the right guy for this. Right. And he, he attacks those the Norsemen and he beats them, decapitates them, you know, rips their bowels out. And he asked the guy, he's like, well, what did they want you for? He's like, welching. But welching on a debt, like you, you said there was gold. Yeah, there's, I don't have it on me. It's at home, blah, blah, blah. And I, I wagered it in a fight. So I'm going to make a ton more money and that money is yours. So they, they get to this town and it is this huge sprawling city. And apparently the city has been waging war with Conan's tribe to get the copper that's underneath their, their, their land. And the Sumerians have been beating them back for a long time. And he's like, I don't even want to go in this town. And, uh, the guy's like, no, nah, don't worry about it. You know, I'll make this money up. I mean, I bet against their champion. Well, who's their champion? Ah, uh, don't worry about it. It's just this dame, right? It's just this chick. Don't worry about it. She's not <laughs> going to win. And <laughs> so it goes into the arena and you see a, a woman with a red shirt um, ripped up um, like brown skirt. And she's, she's bound of course, because when Wonder Woman's bound, she has no powers. Right. And uh, so they're like, you know, we're going to put you out there for today for the fight. And you're going to fight these three dudes. Okay. And they take her chains off and she murders them like straight up murders them. And Conan's like, this isn't combat. This is slaughter. And he's just like, she's, you know, and he's like, wait a minute. I recognize her in no way. It can't be. Is it Yana? Yana, you know? And he's like this little girl that he fell in love with as a child and, he has to go meet her, right? He he finds a little kid because all little kids know their way into secret places. And he's like, you know, I need you to get me into the Coliseum so I can see if this woman is really who I think it is. And uh, she's like, 
well, whoever you are, your smell. He's like, I can smell your breath. You know, it's like, just like, okay, yeah, that's Diana, right? And it's so crazy because they they're like two of a kind. You know, they're both warriors. Like they both have like standards that they were not would not do. But if it came to a fight, they're going to do whatever they can to get out of it and or to win it. And it's a perfect pairing. Like I never thought like Conan meets Wolverine or Conan meets Captain America or whatever made any sense. But Conan meets Wonder Woman in an alternate past makes a lot of sense. Like on the cover, yeah, she's wearing that Wonder Woman outfit. But in the book, she's not wearing that at all, I don't think. Well, later on. But, you know... Yeah, she doesn't get it until like halfway through the book. So that's awesome. But yeah, I mean, it's cool. I'm digging it. And I'd never heard of it before. Dark Horse had Conan, right? Yep. Right before Marvel got him. Yep. Yeah, I think that's all I got this week. Cool. Why'd you like that Conan Wonder Woman? Yeah, I never actually, I never even seen it. I kind of forgot about it. <laughs> At one point, I was doing a big crossover, get all the crossover books from other publishers, you know. And uh, I, so I picked that one up. It was a fun read. Yeah, it was pretty good so far. All right. Well, we have no top 10 list this week. Um, so, do we have any news? Do you have anything, Nick? Uh... Huh. Uh, Mandalorian episode two, season two came out. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. No, not really. There's, I don't know. I mean, I started watching this cartoon called Food Wars it's from Japan, and it is ridiculous. <laughs> it is about a kid who goes to this super exclusive culinary school where if they don't make it they're you know they get kicked out and they their their life is in shambles um apparently this kid can make food so good it makes everybody have an orgasm not just like women but dudes too and it's just really weird like um it's hard to explain it's it's funny yet they throw a lot of boobs and naked dudes in it it's really it's a really weird show and i'm like okay well my you know my wife has a horrible time of like walking in on me watching things that aren't inappropriate but at the time there's an inappropriate part on the show you know like really funny i would i would definitely check out it's really funny um, it doesn't What's sound great. On? It's on Netflix. Is it really? Yep. Okay. And I started watching Sword Art Online. That is an amazing show. I could not believe how adult most of it is. Like, I was like, this story is amazing. But I will say, after season like halfway through season two, it gets really repetitive. Like you're going into another game. You just got out of this one. What the hell are you doing? What? 
this one almost killed you. And it was like, oh, God, okay, I can just don't make five seasons of this. Did I see anything else? No, I think I watched Adam's Family like eight more times. <laughs> I don't know. Do you got anything? Uh, no, not a whole lot of news out there this last week. Um, I did watch Scott Pilgrim. Spil- Spot- no, let me try that again. Scott Pilgrim again. Mm-hmm. There we go. For the, like the fourth time. I I love that movie. And there's so many people in it from that go in on to other superhero movies. Yep. Brandon Ralph and Chris Evans and Brie Larson. Uh, seems like there's a few other ones that I saw in there too. I'm like, jeez. Such a good movie. But uh, yeah, that's, I don't have much. Um, Scott, did you have a? Did he was he going to do a review of on his online one of his online things? Yeah, he's here. I'm not sure if he's in here yet, but it's good. Okay, so uh, Mister Stealing Your Podcast wants to know Juggernaut versus Amazo, who wins? Oh, I gotta say Amazo. I think Juggernaut's got one like one skill, just charge and beat the crap out of everything where Amazo can do so many other things. I, I really do think that Amazo would also win because just the the flight ability would take him down. I mean if you got a character that's just as strong as him but you have an extra ability. Yeah. Yeah. All you have to do pretty much is just take that helmet off. And Juggernaut's done. Now, I prefer Juggernaut over Amazo, but I think Amazo would win that uh, that challenge. Have you have you read the uh, uh, the Hour Man where he's the robot and it's just Amazo the entire time trying to take him down? Mm-mm. It's good stuff. Really good, yeah. That the robot Iron Man or uh, Our Man is a great series. Those are hard to find issues. I've tried to look into it before, and it's they're well, not if, easy to find. If Kirk would ever give me back issue one, I would. Uh, I'd let you borrow them, but he he has my number one since about a year ago when he was going to do an H character. So, <laughs> way back in the middle of the alphabet. Yeah. So I need an H. Okay, here's our man. Okay, I'm gonna do uh, the Huntress. Like what? All right. <laughs> There's so many great H characters too. Oh. Right. <laughs> no, he did Havoc or something like that. I don't remember what it was, but I bet it was an X Man. So. Onslaught's so a different animal than Amazo, though. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if that would really be an argument that Onslaught would take out Juggernaut, but yeah, you have you have uh, the Master of Magnetism, 
which would rip the helmet off. And then you have Charles Xavier, who would just fry his brain. So not, not in a fight. But Scott, where are you, Scott? We're hoping Scott shows up pretty soon. He's got a... Uh, <laughs> All right, Robin. <laughs> I'm assuming he's talking about uh, the Robin King from Death Metal. Oh, um, um, <laughs> yeah, there it is. Okay, I don't know. Robin King is just so pure evil. Yeah, but would he be able to get close enough to take care of Hawk? Hawkeye, Kate Bishop. Uh, so does Kate still have the ability to grow since he was, she was in the Young Avengers? No, I think but, she lost that. I think she lost that. Um, all right, I, I gotta say, Robin King, just because of the skill set again. I mean, he's a homicidal uh, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And so you're assuming he's got most of the skill set of the Batman. Um, so I would say that, yes, uh, Robin King would take out uh, Kate Bishop, sadly. Because I really like Kate Bishop as a Hawkeye character. I forgot she could grow from um, from that Young Avengers. Yep. See, that's another series they didn't do anything with any of those guys. Right. They keep uh, they keep talking about how they're going to bring, like, the whole thing about why it's so expensive now is Kid Iron Man or the Iron Kid, yeah. whatever his name is, and who's Kang. Because Kang's going to be in the movie, and that's why the Young Avengers book was like eighty bucks or one hundred and twenty bucks. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my god, why? The book is good. Don't get me wrong. But oh yeah, one hundred and twenty dollars for a ripoff of the Legion of Superheroes. That's exactly how I felt. It was like Iron Lad. I'm like, oh come on, this is just a ripoff of the Legion. But I bought every issue of it, so. <laughs> well, there, there was a few uh, less people in the Young Avengers than there was in the Legion. Um. <laughs> yeah, well, it did seem like they were pushing, like, their version of. I did see somebody I, in a, one of the groups I'm in did say, uh, ask, you know, what some good DC books going on right now. And I, one of the people put it on there, I really want to tell you Legion because I'm such a huge fan of Legion, but I can't because it's not good. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I thought you'd appreciate that one. But somebody else pointed it out. It's like all the good ones are getting canceled. 
yeah. um, Hawkman, and uh, there's oh, I'm blanking on a couple of the other ones uh, that are getting canceled right now. But a few of them are getting canceled, and it's like those were the ones that were doing really, you know, I, I've been really enjoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right, so uh, they want to know Black Adam versus Omni Man. Who's Omni Man? From uh, he's from uh, uh, Invincible. Ah, uh, okay. Thank you. I knew the name. I just couldn't place what universe. Ooh. What do you think? <sighs> is it like the normal pissed off Black Adam? Is that what we're talking about, or is it the? I would more... say yeah. Okay. I would say height of pissed offness, Black Adam. Okay, all right. But uh, okay, I will say this: Omni Man is nearly immortal. So, if Black Adam ever says the magic words without, like Captain Marvel, there to help him with the lightning again, toast. Adam has a lot of weaknesses that I'm pretty sure Omni Man does not. Yeah. But cool wise, like Black Adam. No, I think I agree with the Omni Man on that one. No matter how pissed off Black Adam is. But that would be a cool one to see. That would be. I mean, Talk to Kirkman. Let's get this going. <laughs> right. with, uh, Invincible and Spider-Man. So why not uh, Omni-Man, Black Adam? We'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you got anything else, Nick? I do not. Um, we Scott cannot make it because his phone decided. Oh, he's in. Scott's here. Hey, Scott. Salutations. What's up, man? Oh. <laughs> well, uh, as you were just saying, my phone decided that it uh, was going to do a system uh, update right now, whether I wanted it to or not. So, yep, so I got a brand new phone. Woo! <laughs> That's how it works, right? Right. <laughs> Okay. Oh, apparently I just missed an interesting conversation about uh, Black Adam and Omni Man. So I'm <laughs> going to. Um, I'm looking Who forward win, to Scott? downloading that later. Who would win, Omni Man or uh, Black Adam? I don't read Invincible, so I really don't know. I'd have to flip a coin. <laughs> I. What do you got for us this week? Okay. Uh, I uh, brought uh, two web and one of them I don't like. So you want a good review or a bad review? Let's start out with the good one because I think the bad ones are more entertaining, right? <laughs> oh, I don't know. This one might just tick you off. Uh, the good one. <laughs> Uh, the good one. Yeah, I, I love talking about this one. Children of the Moon. 
this is a uh, series which uh, showed up on Tapas um, uh, about a year ago, and then it uh, left Tapas for some reason, and it came back. But when it was came back, it um, the creator only put the first uh, ten or so pages up. Um, so it's so there's more there. Uh, if you go to read it, then, or excuse me, there is more in existence than what is there, and I'm not sure why he hasn't posted the rest yet, but hopefully he'll get around to posting it. I've seen more of it. This is a series about cats, and it's a Lovecraftian supernatural horror starring cats, like house cats. Um, they're not anthropomorphic cats who are wearing clothes and what have you. No, they're running around on all fours inside a human world. And um, they're investigating uh, unimaginable supernatural horrors from beyond space and time. <laughs> because uh, cats are continuously seeing things that you can't see. Uh, it has a very strong beyond the supernatural vibe to it. And it's one of the few series that I've seen which actually gets the uh, uh, Lovecraft um, aesthetic right. And I love it. What was it called, Scott? Children of the Moon. Did I cut out, guys? Can you hear me? I got you. Right. We lost Scott, it looks like. Yeah, I think so. I was just pulling it up. Come on, let's see what it looked like. Did you find it yet, Nick? Yeah, he put some pictures up on the Discord. It's, yeah, very weird. Hopefully wow. he comes back in, but I, I want to hear the bad review now too. I know. <laughs> Quite the build up and then we lose him. Wow, the artwork on it's fantastic though. Yeah, he uh he's going to do one called Master's Secret Baby. Master's and... Secret Baby? So the synopsis that he sent me was drugged by her his her own sister for money. Hey, there we go. He's back. Hopefully he call. Come on. Jamo didn't know what was happening. Okay, here we go. Sweet. I don't have to do this. Awesome. <laughs> I apologize for that. I was so in love with my own voice. I didn't realize that no one was listening. <laughs> oh, my oh my goodness a name drop the webcomic I was talking about <laughs> oh. 
Yeah, that the art looks looks really cool. Okay. Yeah, I, that was a really neat book or a web comic. I, I was kind of flipping through. I'm gonna have to take a look at it a little bit closer. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah, I don't know if uh, this part of my explanation got through or not, but the reason that some of those panels I posted are in Russian is because I found a second website which has all the pages, but it's a bootleg uh, fan translation. And I don't know exactly why the uh, creator hasn't uh, reposted all of the pages that he has yet. Well, hopefully he'll get around to doing that. All right. And, uh, show's probably running long. Do you want to hear about the bad one, or do you want to yes. uh, save that for next turn? Okay. No, absolutely hear about the bad one. <laughs> All right. There is a... There is a manhua, which is the Chinese version of manga, and... Uh, and it has a very distinctive look to it um, in uh, the romance genre. Um, it's always a, uh, a one female protagonist who um, there's some variation in her hair color, but otherwise uh, she always looks about the same. And one male protagonist who always looks identical <laughs> in these <laughs> And uh, this particular manhwa is, uh, was picked out by uh, some of the comic creators on a different Discord as being their least favorite series on Tapas, Master's Secret Baby. <laughs> um, it is uh, a premium uh, title on Tapas, so you have to, after the first few issues, you have to pay to read it or... In this case, um, you can wait, and they'll release about a one page, and they'll release about one episode for you uh, every week. And they're nice sized episodes; it's like um, ten pages or so per episode. But uh, this series begins in episode one with a rape scene, and I'm talking a rape scene. And this is the basis of their romantic relationship. It is completely romanticizing rape. And the uh, one of the other someone I know who has read the entire series uh, thus far tells me that um, it gets less rapey. But the lead protagonist, he never gets less rapey. He uh, never apologizes or acts apologetic um he does things um, uh he shows his affection in ways like uh, putting stalker wear on her cell phone without telling her so it keeps going like that the artwork is yeah, pretty good, except that uh, the backgrounds are uh, usually lazy. Um, there are a lot of speed lines uh, that are the background of a panel, even though the character is standing still. 
the pacing is all over the place. It's very hectic um, early on, and then it starts dragging as it becomes more of a soap opera, and then it jumps forward uh, very erratically without announcing that it jumped forward. You just have to sort of read between the lines to realize that happens. Uh, the character, the artist will very abruptly switch from this uh, normal sexy look into uh, super deformed chibis in order to uh, land a pup in order to land a punchline, but they aren't really jokes and it gets way overused. So um, uh, we have reached a consensus master's secret baby for several reasons is the worst title currently on the Tapas <laughs> platform. Yeah, uh, I think I'll skip that one. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. Mm. <laughs> no. I went through three or four of those episodes or whatever. Yeah, not, not good stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I am not one who normally kink shames, but um, the, this is a... But uh, when you romanticize the rape, that's a very meta kink. Uh, I'm going. I think I'm going to uh, cross a line there, and yeah, I'm going to kink shame you for that. It's very Luke and Laura, isn't it? Anybody remember that from like Guiding Light or whatever that was yeah, in the eighties? Uh, it wasn't Guiding Light. No. Was, uh, yeah, I do remember it though. Yeah, no, guy I don't. Rapes a woman and they get married on the show. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> And it's and this the wedding huge was love like thing the that everybody loves. Soap opera wedding ever or something like that. Yeah. One life to live. Thanks, That's dude. That's it. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mr. Wow. Steelinger uh, coming in with the, with the crunch save you know? for us. Thank you. Oh. All right. We got one more question. Um, Creeper versus Romulus. Oh. Wow. Oh. The only Romulus I know is Romulus and Remus from Greek mythology. I'm missing something here. So Romulus is a Marvel character that usually fights Wolverine. He's, uh, he's okay. the leader of the Lupines, and he comes from a race of people that were supposedly evolved from dogs and not from primates. So think Wolverine, but evolved from a dog. Okay. And with, okay, I will say one thing. The Admantium Lace Skeleton has got to stop. Okay. <laughs> for, for how long were we told it's an almost impossible thing to happen, yet this guy has it, Lady Deathstrike has it, Deadpool has some parts or whatever. Is his body Admantium or is it just... Because I know um, I Bullseye's, head, is. Bullseye's head is Admantium. Yeah. So, so I'm just saying that stuff out like it's Halloween candy. Right. It's like them saying that um, Vibranium is the rarest metal on Earth, but yet they make everything out of it. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to uh, say that Romulus would win because that sounds goofy. <laughs> and I like goofy. 
And that's the only logic I have to back up my prediction. <laughs> so I'll shut See, up I'm now. leaning towards Creeper. But with the Athmanium, I jeez. You got Wolverine's healing factor. You've got the Admantium skeleton. You've got the claws. But the and... Creeper's crazy enough that he could pull off. He would do enough to slow him down. Right. Or you'd have to regenerate. I don't know. That was a toss-up for me. I, don't know. I lean towards Creeper. All right. So <laughs> one for each. One in the middle, one on one side, one on the other. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for all the activity tonight. We really enjoyed that. Uh, we wanted to make this show a little bit more interactive, so thank you uh, for the questions. And um, we'll wrap it up. We'll be back next week at 7 Central Time. So feel free to join us again then. And uh, what did we decide for the book, Nick? We are doing... Uh, for next week, we are doing Miskatonic by Aftershock. Perfect. All right. So look forward to that, and uh, we'll catch you guys all next week. See you all. Thanks. Night. Bye. Bye.